to put up with me now. We could just keep going with some more credit. Just, it's encouraging. I don't know about you, but encouraging to the heart and to the soul to lift up God's name, to worship him together as a body of believers. And uh, really, that's what this season is about, right? Emmanuel, God with us. God came to be with us in, in the form of a little baby who grew up to be the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And what a mission, uh, what a focus, what intentionality uh, to, to live out, to walk out that life so that you and I could be free and we could have hope. And so we come to this season and we celebrate and we're encouraged by what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is a season, right, that we always talk about. It's a season of miracles, the miracle of Jesus Christ God himself becoming in human form and living here. But there's also little miracles that happen in our life all the time. One of those little miracles I want to share with you before we start this morning is this. We actually heard from the state this week. That's incredible. Um, Yeah, that's a miracle. And they had four little things that needed to be answered, which we were quickly able to answer for them. And uh, our engineers got that all back, and they've told us that that permit should be on its way for rather quickly now. So that's a miracle. Thank you guys for praying. Continue to pray and be praying about the, uh, the building. I know the steel company has told us that that's going to come a little sooner than we expected. Not sure what delivery date that is. But just thanks for praying. And I know this is the church. It's not that building. Uh, that building's really been a headache already. We don't even have it. Um, and we know that that's what's going to happen as we get it. Uh, but this is the church, right? It's the folks that gather together. It's the people that God has redeemed through his son, Jesus Christ, and the change that he makes in us as a people. And that's the miracle. And that's what we want to celebrate this morning. So would you bow? And we're going to just come before God for a moment this morning. Father, Thank you so much that we get to celebrate and be reminded. Really, it's a reminder to those of us who are Christ followers of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and your Son. And uh, thank you for this Christmas season and that reminder that is ours. Um, Wow, what a gift. A gift of hope, a gift of life that's found in your Son. A gift of forgiveness that we just really, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We're never good enough to be accepted before you. But because you see us through Christ, we belong and we're part of the family. We have a place at the table. What a wonderful thought. And that's the celebration of this season. And so as we look into the word of God this morning and we take a few moments to pause our hearts and to slow down just a little bit, Would you, by your spirit, speak to us, encourage our hearts? And maybe for some, this is the first introduction to who Jesus is. Would you you challenge them and help them to, to see the love of Jesus for them and to see that it doesn't have to be the way that it's been? And uh, they can be forgiven and made new in you. And then, Father, over this next week, as we get ready to, to celebrate Christmas as families, would you... Would you keep our attention on Christ? Help us to be the reflection of the glory of God that you would like us to be. As a church, corporately, but then as individual Christ followers this week. And we'll praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to continue in that 
in John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning, and we're just going to keep right on going with the verses that we've been looking at over the last couple weeks. We're going to be looking at verse 9 to 13 this morning. I'm glad we have heat, but that heat in here is really dry, and it's almost a little too much heat. I don't know about you, but we're going to talk this morning about the true light is for everyone. And uh, in John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13, let me read these. You can read along with me uh, as we look at this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. If you were with us the last couple of weeks, we were introduced to the word, Jesus, we were reminded that the light, the purpose of Christ, the, the, the light coming was that he would repel or he would beat back or he would defeat the darkness, the evil, the, the sinful nature of ourselves. And he's the only one who could completely remove or completely defeat the darkness was Jesus Christ. And last week we were told about John the Baptist who came as a witness to point everyone toward the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he came and he was sent by God, very specific sending by God. He was a cousin of Jesus. And his whole purpose and his whole ministry was to keep pointing everybody toward, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And then when Jesus came and it was time for his public ministry, he was the one who had a great following, John the Baptist was, and he was baptizing people. And then all of a sudden when Jesus comes on the scene, he stops what he's doing and he points at Jesus and he says, he's the Messiah. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we were reminded last week that that job didn't just end with John the Baptist. Yes, he was, he was sent by God very specifically on a mission. It was very intentional by God. He was setting up a whole event that was going to take place and be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But that sending Jesus gave to us as Christ followers the exact same sending. And he said, look, I want you also to tell everybody, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we ended that by talking about we are simply a reflection of the person of God, the person of Jesus Christ. As the moon reflects the sun, we are a reflection of the Son of God. And they should see Jesus in us if we are Christ followers. And this morning we come into this idea, this thought that completes that thought that the true light didn't just come for a select few. It came for everyone, for all people, everywhere, that they would know and understand who Jesus is. And so this morning I want to give you three thoughts from these five verses that we just read. And I want to talk to you about three thoughts about the true light. Number, thought number one is this. There is only one true light. 
There's all kinds of people saying all kinds of things. There's all kinds of people pointing at all different directions. If you want fulfillment in life, then it's, it's, it's the drink you drink. If you want fulfillment in life, it's the car you drive. If you want fulfillment in life, it's the clothes you wear. If you want fulfillment in life, it's the job you have. If you want fulfillment in life, it's the fun that you have. If you want fulfillment in life, it's how hard you work so that you succeed. That's what will give you fulfillment. And that is not what God says at all. God says that there's only one true light. See, all of those things are lights. All of those things are things that we point at or, or point at us one way or the other that we go, oh, if I had that one thing in my life, that would bring satisfaction. I'd be complete if I had that one thing in my life. And God says, no, there's only one true light that can fill your life. That's it. If you looked in the book of Acts, Acts says it this way, that there is a hole that was put in our heart that can only be filled by God or by Jesus Christ himself. That's it. It was designed, it was shaped for him in our, in our creation and how we were made. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And that's the only way that that can be filled is in the person of Jesus Christ. So there is only one true light. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 9, the first verse we read says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. True there means this. It means genuine. In every aspect, it's genuine. I got thinking about true versus fake as I was thinking about the fake lights that we have. There's all those promises that we've been given that those will bring fulfillment. Those will bring happiness. Those will make it so that you want to get up the next day and keep going. And what we all realize is when we chase any one of those things that I mentioned, we end up empty, right? You can chase it for a while. You can collect all kinds of security and finances and houses and stuff. And all of a sudden you realize, there's just more. And the more I have, the more I actually have to look after and the harder it actually is. And it doesn't fill me at all. And if it's wrapped up in a person, every person that you think will bring fulfillment and light into your life, guess what? At some point, because they're human and because we all have sinful natures, every one of those people at some point will do the same thing. And guess what that is? They're going to fail you. And they're going to let you down. It doesn't matter who it is. And all of a sudden, there's emptiness. And whatever it is that you think will fill you up, at some point when you stop long enough, when you stop the running, when you stop the tearing around, when you stop the the trying to fill you up, if you stop long enough and you sit with your own thoughts, and that's scary, by the way, if you sit with your own thoughts, you'll realize, wow, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. This doesn't bring fulfillment. Why? Because it's fake. It's not real. The true light is genuine. It's true. It's real. I got thinking about diamonds because I I know a lot about, I don't know anything about diamonds, okay? (laughs) But it's Christmas time and and some of you guys probably thinking about, you know, your wife and she wants diamond earrings or whatever it is, something nice, okay? And you want to get something that's true, not fake. And so I was thinking about the difference between diamonds and cubic zirconia. 
And what I got, I got online and I did, there's tests you can do to see. Gals, follow, this is good. There's, there's nine different tests, okay? But here's a simple test for you. Yeah, I've got somebody telling me not to keep going with this. Okay, no. Um, there's some simple tests, though. Here's a simple test. If, if, if you took a magnifying glass and you took a, a diamond or one that's supposed to be, and you took the magnifying glass and you look straight down, put a, a white piece of paper below it, and you look straight down through the stone, if it's a real diamond, it should have imperfections in it. It should be little, little pieces of black, little refractions in it. If it's perfect, it's a fake. Think of that for a minute. That's backwards. No, it's right because it's a stone. It's created under much, much pressure. And in that, there's all kinds of little imperfections. Now, there's clarity of diamonds. If, if you remember back from buying your wife a diamond, you know, you look at cut clarity, right? Remember all this? Okay. But there's clarity of diamond, but it can never be completely perfect, right? Because it was made under pressure. And so when you look down through it, the other way of doing it, here's another simple one. Take a black marker. Don't mark on the diamond. But take a black marker, put a dot on a piece of white paper, hold the diamond over it, and shine a light down through it. If you can still see that pretty clearly, the dot or an X, either one, then it's fake. And the reason is there's not enough imperfections to refract the light that's in it. There's impurities in a real diamond. Now, let's think for a moment about the true light. It's just the opposite. When you get to know the true light, Jesus Christ, he's perfect. Everything about him is 100% sure and secure and perfect. Everything that you will learn from the word of God about, God, about Christ will be 100% perfect. As you come to know him in his character, he will be 100% perfect. And whatever truth you learn about the character of Jesus Christ and the character of God, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It will always be the same. It's 100% genuine all the time. That's the character of God. Now, the fake side of this is this. If you remember in the Old Testament, God set up a temple. He set up sacrifice systems. He set up ways that they were to worship. And all of those ways were only a picture of what was true, what was genuine. They were all fake. They didn't, they didn't make you right with God. They didn't save your soul. Doing sacrificial system didn't save you at all. It reminded you that you needed a sacrifice. You needed a savior. The temple, when you went into the temple, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies because you weren't good enough. And it reminded you that the system was not good enough to get you to God. You needed a redeemer. I needed a redeemer. And only the true light, Jesus Christ himself, can be that savior. There is no other. Everything else is a fake. So this morning, I want you to walk away with this. There's only how many true lights? One. Let's do that again because I don't think everybody got that. Wow, I spent like six minutes. Okay. There's only what? One. And I can't hear you guys. You guys need to say it too in the other theaters. There's only one true light. There's only one genuine light. It's Jesus Christ. And everything else will sell you short. Do you got that? 
everything else that you're chasing will not bring fulfillment. Fulfillment will not satisfy your soul. It's only found in the true light. And that true light came for everyone, came for all people. That's what Jesus said. He said this, I've come that all may have life, that all may have life. One true light. Everything else is fake. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them and he said, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the one who will bring fulfillment to your life. I'm the one that will make you satisfied. There's only one true light. Let me ask you or let me encourage you to do something this Christmas season. If there's only one true light, Why not take a moment this week and stand in the light of Jesus Christ and let him shine the light of who he is on your heart and soul. If there's one true light, if there's one who can show us where real meaning is found, why not stand in that light for a little while? say, well, how do I do that, Tim? What does that look like? Grab the Word of God. Grab John. And spend a few minutes reading it and allowing it to reflect on your heart and where your heart is and what your heart's been looking for. Allow the one true light to paint a true picture of what's going on inside. Go to the light. Go to the light. Second thought found in verses 10 and 11 is this. The true light requires a decision. The true light requires a decision. Let me read these two verses for you. It says this. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, before I get into the meat of this, there's a little side note, something I want you to think about, because my brain does this. When I read scripture, these little weird thoughts go through my head, and this was one of them. It's it's not completely strange, because it fits with the passage, but here's the thought that was going through my head. Look at that first phrase. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. This is what I thought about, was this. Think of this. Jesus Christ came as a little baby, was born on this earth in a human form. Think how disappointed he must have been. You with me? He created the world. He was the creator, right? Colossians tells it this way. He says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in the heavens and on earth, the invisible and the visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. Jesus Christ was the one who was there at creation and, and, and God the Father used him in creation to create all things and when Jesus created them he was there at the garden everything was perfect it was all beautiful it was all without sin it was amazing it was created for his glory and then he comes as a little baby and how disappointed he must have been 
because it had all been marred and scarred by sin. A broken world with broken relationships, torn apart by humanity who was created in in his image for his glory and for relationship with him. And the Bible tells us in this passage, it says this, that he came into the world and they didn't even know him. The very one that created it all. And they missed him. They missed him. How saddening. How brokenhearted he must have been to show up in something that his hands were all over, that have his very image in all of creation, not just us, not just, but all things that he created. He said, this is good. Look what I've made. And he comes as a little baby to a broken, fractured, scarred, injured, hurtful world. And they missed him. It doesn't just say that they missed him. It says this. They didn't even recognize him. Can I stop for a minute right there? I think in North America, this is a struggle for us. We have so much at our fingertips in terms of the word of God and access to the word of God and people teaching and people preaching and places we can go and music that we can sing and worship events that we can go to. And you know what I think is going on? I think that for a lot of the church, they don't even recognize Jesus. He came to his own, and they didn't just miss him. They didn't even recognize him. How about you? Do you recognize him? It's interesting to me, they had waited for a thousand years, they had waited for two, they had waited for him to come. It was the promise throughout all the Old Testament. The prophets, if you remember the whole story, we kept saying that the prophets said, he's coming, the Messiah is coming, the Savior is coming. And the priest would stand and say, the prophet, the the Savior is coming, the Messiah is coming, the one who's going to save us is coming. And he comes and nobody even sees him. They completely miss him. Can I give you two, two thoughts about that? One is, some weren't ready. Some weren't prepared. But can I tell you the scary thing? I think there's a whole bunch who didn't want to see him. And I think it's happening here today. I think it's happening in the town we live in, in the country we live in. I think there's a whole bunch who don't want to see him. Because if I see him, it means something has to happen. See, remember that the true light requires a decision to be made. And if I can keep my eyes closed and I don't see him, then maybe I won't have to make a decision. But we do. But we do. John 3, 19 to 21 says it this way. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people loved darkness 
rather than the light because their deeds were evil. They chose darkness over light. They had a choice, and their choice was darkness. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. See, I don't want to bump into Jesus. I don't want the reflection of Jesus in my life because if he really shines his light on me, then people and Jesus himself, God, they're going to see what's really going on in my heart. They're really going to see that I'm not all that I have painted myself to be. Hey, by the way, no one else is either. Did you catch that? No one else is all that they've painted themselves to be. When we all stand in the light, guess what? Our human heart, God says this, this isn't Tim saying, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're all in the same boat. But we love darkness rather than light. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. (laughs) so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. See, here's the funny thing. When we first hear about God, we run from the light because we don't want to be exposed. We're fearful of what God might see or what others might see. But when we actually yield to God, all of a sudden we long for the light. It's totally different. We're like, yes, give me the light. Show what's going on because I know that forgiveness and hope comes by exposing what's actually going on inside of me. I know that speaking the truth about my evil heart brings freedom and forgiveness. We have the real thing in front of us, yet we choose the fake. Did you see this? how this verse tells us of people's choice. And by the way, just so you think about this, not making a choice is making a choice. Choosing to ignore is making a choice. The choice and the common choices are the love of self, my evil desires or fun or, or, or filling myself with all kinds of things. I don't want to admit my shortcomings and sin. And so I don't want to see the light. Or I can come into the light and allow the light to actually, it doesn't just reveal what's wrong in me, folks, and that's our fear. It actually washes us clean. It actually pulls the scales off. Oh, it hurts when it happens. But the freedom is phenomenal. Have you experienced the freedom of walking into the light? See, true light requires a decision. Third and last thought is this. All who believe belong. All who believe belong. Let me read these verses, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, he gave them, catch this phrase, the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. In order to know Jesus, we must come into the light, allow the light to reveal the darkness in us so that we can be redeemed and made new in Jesus Christ. 
We are not born into belonging to the family of God. In other words, I mean this, just because you were born into a family that knows God and loves God and and you're one of the, the young people that are sitting here this morning and your parents are Christ followers, just because you're born into that family, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You may know the right words. You may understand all the Sunday school answers. You may have grown up being exposed to the word of God, but you're not a family in the family of God just because your parents are. That's not how this works. He goes on in this verse and he says, it's not, I'm not born into it. I can't work myself into it. I can't work so hard that I'll have a right relationship with God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say it this way, for you're saved by grace through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough to do it on my own. So I can't be born because of the family. I can't work hard enough to get there. And here's the other thing, folks. You can't pray for, well, you can pray for, but you can't do enough to bring your kids in. You can't do it. You can't do it for anyone else. It's an individual decision that we all make to step into the light. I have to do it for me. You have to do it for you. Your kids have to do it for themselves. They have to expose themselves to the light of God. And God has to reveal his truth in them. And they have to receive that light, each and every one of us, in order to be followers of Christ. Romans 3, 21 to 24 say it like this, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. In other words, every one of us fall short. Every one of us have to come to a place where we as individuals make a choice to step into the light, allow the light to reveal our heart, and then submit and yield our hearts. Remember, two weeks ago we talked about repent We're walking in one direction, we turn and we walk back toward God and we yield ourselves to the person of God. That's what this is talking about. And we become children. At the very beginning of this verse, it says this, He gave them the right to be children of God. I love that because that means this. If I'm a child of God, I'm born into the family of God. I was born into the Knowles family and I belong there. We're all weird. We belong together. But I was reborn into the family of God. And when I became a child of God, you know what it means to be a member of the family? It means that there's a place set for you at the table. And your place is always there. You always belong. You always have a home. And that's what this verse says. It says this. It says that when 
I walk to the true light and the true light reveals and exposes what's going on in my heart and I yield and I give in to the, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, then I become a member of the family of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I get all of the benefits of being in the family. I belong. I have a seat at the table. And they're having pot roast today. It's awesome. I belong. If you are in Christ, you belong. If you're not in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, you can right now. Here's the thing. You don't have to do anything because he's already done it for you. He's already paid the price so you can be part of the family. And right now, by simply accepting his gift of forgiveness that he gave to you on the cross, by saying yes to his payment for your sin and yielding to him, you have a place. You're one of his children. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you belong. You are a member of the family with full and complete rights, a joint heir with with Christ. The biggest celebration of this Christmas season is that Christ came so we, so I, so Tim, so you could belong. It's the longing of every human heart to belong. And you can. Father, would you grant us the courage to step into the light? We're so easily deceived that we think if we hide, if nobody sees, I'll be okay. When just the opposite is true. By stepping into the light and exposing what's really going on in our hearts and our lives, The Spirit of God can draw us to your Son who paid the price for our sin and the hurt that's found within us. Thank you for presenting the true light to us. And thank you that it's available for everyone. Grant us the courage today to step into the light and to live this season for you and as part of your family. In your name we pray.